When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Book Riot Podcast. It's a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. Today is Thursday, June 2nd, 2022. I'm Jeff O'Neill, here with Rebecca Shinsky. We got graduations, you know, grade school graduations. We got field trips. I got attacked by crows on my run this morning. (laughs) Summer is officially here, Rebecca Shinsky. I've had my first accidental sunburn. I mean, not that I ever get intentional ones, but hashtag ginger life, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're like walking the store to get milk and you, and you have to like go to the hospital for, for the burning. <laughs> yeah, right? my dad. I mean, that's what happens if you don't lather up. <laughs> my dad used to joke that I could get a sunburn on the way to the mailbox and like he's not that far off. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I hope everyone's summer is uh, proceeding apace here. Um, for those of you who uh, haven't, yet join the Patreon. If you're on the fence about it, um, last week's bonus episode was Deals, Deals, Deals. We had a whale of a time. We had a really good freewheeling really time. Um, and then we're about, we're going to record right after this show that'll be in the feed next week. We're bringing back an old feature, Half-Baked Ideas. So it's not book-related necessarily. I'll tease this to you, Rebecca. I have one book-related thing, but I think it's such a big idea, it needs to be its own episode. So I'll oh, talk about that later. Okay. You know, you galaxy brain there. You sit, to, you know, have a little espresso and a notebook, and things get out of hand uh, if you're not. Wait, did, does this mean you actually finally found the one perfect notebook? Did it unlock? Yeah, it'll last about six days until I um, abandon it and start looking around. You know, got the wandering notebook eye. Yeah, Lavender's nice. This moleskin hasn't really hasn't paid much attention to me lately. I wonder what I wonder what uh, Field Notes is up to these days. <laughs> um, so that's one thing that up here. All right, let's do our first sponsor break, and we'll do follow-up and shorter news until we get into a couple of meteor stories. Um, listener follow-up. You want to take the first one? This this came in through a Patreon yeah, member here, which is pretty it... cool. And then I have an email follow-up that sort of conflicts it. So oh. I don't know how we're going to do this, but you take first. Okay. Uh, but you go first. Well, head-to-head listener feedback. We like yeah. that. So we were talking about A Winter's Promise last week and like puzzling over how did this thing we've never heard of end up on these Powell's bestseller lists and we have a wheelhouse member named carrie who believes she's solved the answer or or solved the mystery um works at one of the powell's locations said that a winter's promise the one i go to yeah that's the one i saw yeah uh said that it was one of their a winter's promise was one of their staff picks and that it sold so well that then it got promoted to bestsellers which are location specific for each of their stores um so if you go to the other another powell's location their bestsellers will be different and she said she suspects it's because the paperback um also is 11.95 in a world of 16 to 18 dollar paperbacks so good price point and a staff pick like you were talking um maybe it was on that episode and we were negotiating about the features that an independent bookstore needs to have to be pleasing yes, to us now we're talking you were talking about the power of a handwritten shelf talker mm-hmm. and so it sounds to me like a powell's staff pick probably with a handwritten shelf talker made this such a compelling title that it landed itself on that location's bestsellers so okay that is that's carrie's take so let me let me stop there for a second because I, I love this feedback. Thank you so much, Carrie. Carrie, if you ever see a, a gangly 
MF looking at notebooks uh, with a wandering <laughs> eye at the, in the section. You know what I'm talking about? You know, uh, say hello. Um, I, I didn't even consider the fact that we were looking at uh, local conditions, mm-hmm. right? That that was not indicative of some other trend. I, I look at the Powell's um, bestseller shelf quite often and I always thought there was some like maybe Portland regional effect. I never thought about a particular store's effect. Like one particular bookseller got something moving enough that it rose up the ranking. And then it enters that feedback loop, which I think we we talk about, but maybe we don't internalize enough mm. of once a thing is a thing, it's even more of a thing yes. because then it's a thing that people <laughs> see. So it's number one on the list. I'm talking about it. Now people like me who are browsing it now see it. Who wouldn't have seen it if it was, you know, just uh, only spine out way back on one of the shelves in the science fiction and fantasy section. That kind of discoverability, that's why publishers always want to pay for co-op and stuff like that. If you put it out front, they want to be on the New York Times bestseller list because they want to sell books, and that there's the, the rear-looking um, indication of how many sells that means. But what they really care about is the forward-looking things. Now, that's a thing that people are going to be the tallest poppy in the field, and they'll look at that poppy versus all the others there. So... That's the thing that actually happens. So here's the, it's not, it's not competing. It could be a different, you know, it could be um, what they call it, um, simultaneous invention, mm. but got an email. I don't think, uh, I don't have a firm of consent for a name here, but anyway, um, this is someone who look, works in a bookstore in Iowa, and she says she brought in a winter's promise after burning through it and then brought in three copies to sell. And from, since then, it's sold pretty steadily okay. at a... You know, I'd say a classic independent bookstores. And she says she originally heard about this title not so much through TikTok, though she's sure maybe you've seen it there once or twice, but rather from various science fiction and fantasy booktubers hmm. and Mallory O'Meara, host of the podcast Reading Glasses, who also wrote Girly Drinks, which was really great. Yeah. I'm not ever sure I talked about that. Um, who's also a really good book person on the internet. Go shouts to them. That's the podcast is called Reading Glasses. So that's another, I don't know. It's not really conflicting, but yeah. it's not just that would suggest there's a little more than someone at Powell's Hawthorne is like, boy, I found this gem and all the copies being sold of this book are happening right here. So who knows? Yeah, I it makes me wonder if A Winter's Promise and it's part of the Mirror Visit Quartet. Carrie also corrected right. us. It's not part of a trilogy. If that quartet was marketed like featured in some of the indie bound or indie next kinds of promotions that publishers do towards independent booksellers i just wonder um if it was you know marketed directly to them in hopes of hand selling moments like this or did Mm -hmm. did they just get lucky here um the the like sort of circular feedback of thingness (laughs) of of uh hand sell picks particularly is a I think just a fascinating and cool thing that happens in indie bookstores. I know a couple of friends um, that work or own indie bookstores have said that it's really fun at the end of the year to run their like year long bestsellers in the store and see mm. which of those are like, which <laughs> ones are whose hand sells from the year. You know, I had this favorite thing and it came out four years ago, but I hand, I hand sold a bunch of them this year. And that's the power of your local independent bookstore over something that runs on algorithms. I always think that's fun to hear about and to think about. About um, how yeah. you know that influence, what the, kind of a small pond influencer in a really meaningful way an indie, an indie right. bookseller can be, and the kind of thing that one of the one of the pay, one of the ways publishers try to get buzz for a book going is that way because it's mm-hmm. not really paid. There's a there's a I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine element to indie bookselling. Right, the booksellers want good titles to sell to their reader to their customers. Right. So they're motivated to find stuff that's interesting. 
and you can get this word of mouth going a little bit. I haven't heard in a while. It's interesting. Um, we used to hear more often that something was like an indie bookstore hit or, or was made by like the indies hand selling. Mm-hmm. Is it just me? Have I forgotten? Have we not heard about it? Has TikTok the hurricane um, blown away all of the little sort of microclimates that we might hear about? Because like, what's the cl- water for elephants? Isn't it the classic example? That's the one that always springs to my mind. Is like Algonquin said, like that was an indie bookseller thing. Like yeah. on the ground hand selling at bookstores made water for elephants a thing. Um, I can't think of a recent one. So I, I throw it to you, Rebecca, too. But also, this is also a bat signal to all the indie booksellers and publishers we have listening. Yeah, to I can't think ideas. of a recent one either. I don't know if that's because COVID has changed mm. and, and continues to change or to limit um, in-person interactions between book buyers and booksellers in a way that might have impacted this. Or maybe there was one in like 2018 and I just don't remember because everything right. before 2020 is a giant blur now. <laughs> That's right. I would love to hear from booksellers who might have a better memory or a more uh, available memory of that. I guess the thing that um, distinguishes, or I, I guess it's a more recurrent feature than distinguishing one. Uh, there's a distinction with no difference that <laughs> anyone cares about. Uh, is that you know what what made what made for if they if they don't exist anymore, like the anatomy of an indie hit, mm-hmm. an indie bookstore hit. It tends to be lit thick with some commercial crossover appeal. You know, plot, character, good writing, mm-hmm. not super challenging. Um, but also it, it gives you fuzzy, warm fuzzies, but it's not cozy, if that makes sense. That That's kind of my, um, yeah. I don't know. If that, does that I sound right like to you? What else would you, what, what else would you say about the indie books? Elevated book club kinds of content. Yeah. Um, right. have good potential and really for anything to take off in that way, it has to be accessible and appealing to a wide yeah. variety of whatever businesses customer base. And so that elevated book club kinds of stuff, which Water for Elephants certainly was. And I think they, you know, that was an Algonquin title and they did try to sort of run that back with a couple other Algonquin authors. And this is like a deep cut from our early blogging years, but Robert Gulrich's A Reliable Wife, I think was one of those. Um, Right. I can't. Yeah, I don't remember. William, the yeah. new William Kent Kruger. I think they tried to do that with. Do you and, remember? They did some ads yes, with us. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they and, were also trying to. That's the right kind of title. I think you know. Now that we mention it, that just jogs something in my brain. I think maybe, like a gentleman in Moscow or mm. Rules of Civility, like the Amor Tolls industrial complex, maybe started out as an indie first. Yeah. Kind of uh, I think uh, initiative. I'm not. I won't be terribly surprised. I guess if we see this decrease in terms of at least big visibility mm. i think there will always be titles that are indie bookstore darlings or especially to individual indie bookstores like it seems like a winter's promises to a couple of these but if we're mm-hmm. not hearing about it on the big scale like it's not an accident that water for elephants a reliable wife some of those really available big stories were from the time period they were from where like book blogging was still kind of nascent in the way that most people who cared about books were not just getting on they were not surfing the web to find their way to a book Mm -hmm. blog and get their recommendations it was just sort of coming up facebook was still relatively young instagram didn't exist Um, tiktok was a glimmer in someone's eye at that point and so the ways to find book recommendations that were yeah. not going into bookstores were just limited or or reading, you know, big media book reviews. And now there are just so many other sources that space is so 
saturated, for lack of a better term, of places to get recommendations mm-hmm. that having something rise to when you're talking about millions of views on TikTok versus a couple thousand independent booksellers got excited about something. It, there's still no competing really with that scale. It, it does make me think that um, the first mover against the, um, I, I guess, the visibility of something that especially or in, an indie book selling darling hitting a list that we would even notice about and hear a story that's an indie bookseller generated interest or sales. I think you're right. It's a celebrity book club, Mm -hmm. right? I think it's um, every month Reese has a pick and those people, um, the dictionary of lost words, that would be the kind of thing that would be in an indie darling. It's very, you know, that's, you look at what Reese picks or whatever her team picks. And I still need to know this. I I don't know how we need to find this out. Someday we're going to get a Reese birdie. Every single one of those could eat. You would have, I wouldn't, it's hard to pick in advance, but in retrospect, if you told me any one of those, like, yeah, actually, that was an Indie Darling. I'd be like, yep, that totally makes sense. Celeste Ng, sure, Indie Darling, that that makes total sense. Um, uh, the debut author, uh, Taylor Jenkins Reid, <laughs> yep, makes total sense. Britt Searcy, Bennett. total sense. Yeah. Britt Bennett, yeah. All of those, that's the thing, and um, you're right. I wonder with the hurricane blowing, does it really does it really matter to try to get a bunch of little windmills spinning? Um, just Just take what you can get. Um, another quick email follow-up here um, related to independent bookstores. A shouts to um, Dog-Eared Books. <laughs> this is in Ames, Iowa. We had someone email to say, listening to your ideal bookstore lineup, you know, kind of your, your features, thinks they tick all of them. Okay. Lilac trees in front, big south-facing fa- south windows yes. in the college town, hardwood floors, comfy chairs, Coffee, tea, snacks. Didn't think of this. Alcoholic beverages. Mm. You know, a little after dark. Mm-hmm. You know, once the clock strikes noon, you turn you turn <laughs> your glass over, turn your mug over, um, and pick up your glass. Music is picked by the staff. Handwritten shelf talkers. Uh, you know, good good merch. Cute logo. And there's a bookstore dog. So there you go. And there's a Lovey. bookstore dog. Well, now I've got to make yeah. myself a road trip to Ames, Iowa. I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and Lovey is a trained therapy animal, so you can go there and get some um, healing snuggles uh, while you're, <laughs> while you're drinking your wine at 1230. <laughs> um, competing email, though, from another listener about our assembling our dream or perfect independent bookstore says, you can't have dogs or animals and a cafe in the same location oh. because of health. So I don't know, dog-eared books, if they have to keep that on the DL, maybe the therapy animal, you know, like having an ostrich on a plane, there's a little exception. If, you, if it's trained, you have the right, get the right paperwork, you can make something happen here. But um, I, I will take my coffee over the, the animal. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just me. But um, I apologize in arrears to any bookstore that may have felt like I was giving them an unfair shake by asking for both, um, you know, a latte and, and a Labrador at the same time. <laughs> you know, this at least sheds light on the perpetual question in my soul of how come this bookstore doesn't have a dog <laughs> yeah could be health could be good old the, health codes the, the health inspector uh let's see i think that was oh uh this is feedback that came late for the episode then i'm now getting too late but i thought i would give myself and us props in talking with the remarkable two remember the tablet oh, no yes. one cares about mm-hmm. and we're, is a thing not a thing one of the things you or i floated there was I bet this is really great for like lawyers and stuff, mm-hmm. marking up cases. 
And we had a lawyer to say, yes, indeed, it's all the rage. We love it. Cool. So there you go. I also go, go got a message from a listener who said that they work in financial services and their firm mm-hmm. was looking at getting them um, to use like for marking up client documents. So yes, yeah. a double high five for us on that speculation. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's great. So remarkable too, serving knowledge workers uh, everywhere. Um, I think that's all I had all right. from listener follow-up. Okay. Well, I have news for you. Yes. The results of the summer draft. Oh, I saw this. Come in. on. All right. Do I, where, I don't have a rabbit's foot. I got, I got no horseshoes. I, I've got no animal paraphernalia. You had two to, to in a row, that. Jeff O'Neill, but you're not there going go. for a that's hat trick. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> it was my turn to win. Okay. All right. Did they tell us things? Yeah, they told us things. Um, that uh, we had a lot of single issue or like double issue mm. voters that uh, on both sides of like I voted for Rebecca because of the Holly Black book or uh, random other ones. But the one that was most frequently mentioned from my list was Holly Black. Um, Sedaris was sort of split the vote. There were folks who voted for you because they liked Sedaris. There were folks saw, who voted uh, for me because mm. they are, have sort of turned against Sedaris. And then we had a lot of people who did kind of a, an accounting of Ooh. I liked four of your but five of his so he got this one and then there were some interesting ticket yes they split the ticket and then there were some interesting other versions of the accounting of like rebecca had six titles that i liked but jeff had the one or two that i liked the most um so it was kind of all over the place um but i won it handily and i'm not gonna lie it feels good to get to report that (laughs) well i'm glad for the game the game's the real winner here it's true because it wouldn't be interesting if uh you know you, you got to have someone knock the champ and out from time to time gonna, just to keep the matches interesting. Yeah, we're going to shake up the like the format and the rules of that for the fall draft yeah. that we'll do in September. So who knows how that one will go? And we've each mm. won a couple of times now. It feels that that feels right. So. If it, you know, I think I think if it is true that um, neither of us picked book lovers. Did you pick? Book I lovers think it, I picked it. Yeah. Okay. Just, I, I was going to say, could we in arrears look at the sales of the books? Mm-hmm. Because the book lovers is outselling the shit. Oh, excuse me. I'm going to <laughs> edit that out now. Out of, uh, out of the Holly Black. Um, now, are the Holly Black kind of folk more tuned into a show like ours? Are, are the, the Emily Henry, you know, they're your representative reader. Uh, sorry, listeners out there. If you're listening to the show, you are not a representative reader in all good ways, but mm-hmm. you just aren't. Um, n- neither are we here. was speculating over um, on the comments on the wheelhouse when we were talking about sort of declining sales of those big authors with yeah. each successive entry in their series mm-hmm. um, that Emily Henry... I was speculating like the third Emily Henry is maybe not as exciting as the first Emily Henry once you know what it's about um, for people. And they were saying that they had seen sort of middling reviews of Emily Henry, Mm. of book lovers on TikTok, and that they thought that might be contributing to that one not being as hot out the gates as the first couple. But it's still hot out the gates compared to almost everything else. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Interesting. Oh, you know, one more feedback thing. Uh, Again, I'm going to anonymize it. Um, but I just enjoyed this, so I thought I'd share with everyone. Mm-hmm. Had a listener email to talk about one of our recs we did for them for moms, dads, oh, and grads. Oh, nice! And it was—I'll um, share it with you so you can see the details. Again, I don't have a firm of consent, and there's some maybe potentially identifying information here. Um, that the rec we gave them was something they'd been wondering about, but they haven't—they re- hadn't read it yet because they knew the author, and the author was a friend. Oh! And if it sucked, they were going to be heartbroken. <laughs> oh man, I so know that. So we got them over the edge. 
And they loved it. They like cried during it. They were so happy. I think we're really doing some help. We're helping people, Rebecca. That's what I'm saying. We're making connections. We're forestering here. Just connect. It's okay. Also, lying is a thing, everyone out there. I'm just saying. You can also lie. Yeah, I mean. If you hate your friend's book, just lie. I have been there in the I'm afraid to read this because I know this person and what if it's awful. It's never gone that way for what it's worth. I probably know more writers than the average person does. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's a very real fear. I'm glad that we could help you get over it. And now that you can celebrate your friend's triumph. That's great. So there you go. Um, Let's go into Publishers Weekly just for a minute. It's the height of the book selling season. Um, it ends with us. <laughs> yeah, sold more copies this week than last week. I, I, don't, boy. I can't. I still can't get over that. Where are the crawdads climbing back up in the number three spot? You know, there's a new paperback, I think, with the movie the, thing coming. So the movie's coming there. soon. I went to see Top Gun this weekend, which BT dubs. That's a fantastic way to spend a couple hours. Oh, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. I, I'm going to wear jean shorts. Should I? <laughs> just just jean shorts alone? I mean, oh, just jean <laughs> I'm unprepared to answer that question with that caveat. The answer to this is no, of course, <laughs> yeah. but I just, you know. Uh, maybe Top Gun cosplay can go several different ways. Jean shorts and a leather jacket. Uh, you need yeah, a bomber right. situation. There, there's, I mean, there's to think of the chafing. <laughs> leather jacket and jean shorts in summer. Rebecca, yeah, I know. I don't recommend it. Here? Maybe a jumpsuit. Yeah, no. I'm all here for a, a flight suit. There's not enough body glide in the world. <laughs> Um, That's a sentence. Anyway, <laughs> the posters for Where the Crawdads Sing are all over the theaters now. They, they so are. It's coming out soon, right? I, I, think, I, I think so. I'm, I know it's on your calendar. <laughs> yeah, do you, did, you, did you bedazzle it, the calendar with Crawdads? Did you just heart it, you know, I, like last you know, day of school I, when you were a kid? I or sketched you do it? it and all of its surrounding flora and fauna. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write a book um, about it later. And then I guess, so uh, bridging it to book lovers, holding steady, 30,000 copies last week, down a little bit, um, but still selling relatively strong. The new entrant in the top 10 overall is The Office BFFs. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know what this book is? Oh, yeah. Is this um, Jenna Fisher and Angela talking about? Yes. Okay, yes. Jenna Fisher and what's her name? Yeah. I think that's the official author blurb <laughs> I know they have a podcast also that they I've do. heard is wonderful, um, but I haven't listened to it myself. Yeah, are you an office? Were you an office person? I, w- I was. We I watched it as it was coming out. I have not been an office rewatcher, but I'm really not much of a rewatcher. I don't like go back mm. to a series and and watch the same episodes over and over. Other than you know, like the big block of cheese episode of The West Wing. Yes, I'm going to need to see if this. I, I'm probably a mar- the marginal buyer reader of this book. I like The Office fine, you know, um, but I like books. I like books about the media I've consumed. Mm-hmm. If this, if they narrate this on audio, that will be the decision maker. Ooh, if they yes. do not, I'll probably never get to this book. So just putting it out there. Uh, I guess that's really it. And the number one this week, like last week, we're really peaking here. Um, it's like cold and flu season. Oh, the places you'll yeah. go, 59,000 units, 25,000 more units than anything else. We should do um, some guessing about when that will fall out of number one. <sighs> I think we have to get through Father's Day. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my sense of it. Um, all right. And then the other thing is book sales for the year. It's really, it's kind of, it's too early to talk slump, um, but print sales fell 6.4% in mid-May. Now we're out of the low single digits like we were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just, it, again, COVID, tough comps, a lot of sales, um, still up. But it's down. Number one 
I guess was interesting to look at. The number one new release last this week last year was the Anthropocene Reviewed, the John Green oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Um, 57,000 copies debuted at number one compared to 26,000 copies for the Office off, uh, the office BFFs. Office BFFs, that's a lot of um, Fs in there. <laughs> it is. Uh, and hard to compete with the built-in marketing machine of John Green. Yeah. Um, but, 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 let's see. Yeah, it's it's really hard to see. You know, I, I think it's, it's it anything. It is just everything is down except for adult fiction, and trade paperback is the um, the least weak format. Trade paperback now we're even down three point three percent year over year, even with TikTok really coming into its full power. But adult fiction is the only um, category that's up. Adult fiction down ten percent. Juvenile nonfiction down nine percent. Juvenile fiction down seven percent. Young adult fiction mm-hmm. down three percent. Young adult nonfiction down 2.3%. The big news for me this week in my my bookish life is I went to a Barnes & Noble. Oh, tell me. Had been in Barnes & Noble. Um, Here in Portland, uh, a big two-floor, kind of like, you know, one of the last, the the new Barnes & Nobles are going to smaller formats, Mm -hmm. but this is sort of a high-end mall in Portland suburb here. I went on a Saturday late afternoon. Um, The place was pretty busy. Memorial Day weekend. That's great. Yep. So a couple things. I mean, we talk about it and we know it, but there was a whole table just for Atomic Habits by James Clear. <laughs> just just right there. Mm-hmm. That's just that's that's the tweet. Um there not only were there's a book talk table, but there were specific hashtag tables. Oh. Spicy talk, stuff like that. Interesting. That that was interesting. Um Reese had her own table. Okay. No Oprah table to be found, huh. as far as I could tell. Um I didn't, you know, scour every inch, but I did, you know, the high traffic areas. Um, no Jenna's book club today show thing. Mm-hmm. Good morning, America. None of that had its own table, which take that, um, for what it's will. Sarah J. Moss had her own table. Yeah. Colleen Hoover had her own table. Um, and then this is the feedback loop now, where I think the second order effects of the first order effects of TikTok are big enough, but those are second order effect mm-hmm. things. And you and I talking about them now are third order yes. effect things. So it's it, this is how it works. This is how word of mouth um, and virality really happens and sustains. Um, there was a whole table of crawdads, like a huge, like I don't, I, I will, I will never understand that book. Um, you and I have talked about it at length. How we were probably given a hundred books to choose from, and fifty guesses, and mm-hmm. we wouldn't have guessed mm-hmm. that one to be the thing. Um, so I thought it was interesting, but it seemed to be doing well. A lot of a lot of people buying really giant Starbucks, you know. Um, milkshakes. I mean, sure. caffeinated milkshakes. I mean, just enormous. The teen set, and this is something I forgot when you're 14. We were just talking about this the other day. We were reminiscing our beloved um, Barnes & Noble in the plaza. Also, going to Barnes & Noble and getting a giant thing when you're 14 or 15 is just something to do. Yes. It just is. Mm-hmm. That's a thing you can do. You can just go hang. your parents hang. will let you do it. Yeah, go hang. So, um, you know, it looks... Barnes Noble, it, it looked vibrant. You know, it looked they've updated some of the signage. Mm-hmm. Um, it really looked good. You'll I have was to, happy to be there and spend some time. You'll have to go back at three thirty on a school day once school starts again, and we'll see if that trend holds until September. Well, you're already there. <laughs> I, I that's kind of redundant for me to go. You're already hanging out there and checking out what everyone's buying. So anyway, there's there's Alrighty. the uh, updates. So I guess let's do our sponsor break, and we'll talk about a couple news stories before we we go today. We forgot to mention we're hiring. Uh, some of you know 
that our beloved Amanda Nelson is going on to bigger and better things. Uh, and uh, her position, um, or a, a Amanda-shaped hole is left, and we're going to try to fill some of that. Um, you go to bookriot.com slash join us. It's a digital marketing manager. You know, help us grow our stuff. If that's something you're interested in, we do you know, media, you know, transparent pay, mm-hmm. um, get PTO, was it what you know the policies yeah, you, you, you the do this pitch. you tell them Let this is do, your job yes. yeah you do the whole thing <laughs> yeah so uh, we do have transparent pay it's on the job listing we'll put the link in the show mm-hmm. notes um, we have offices in portland oregon and oregon is how you say that portland oregon and vancouver british columbia um if you are in those locations you can work from the office or be designated uh, as you know you can choose to work from home uh, and then we have uh, the option to work from virginia pennsylvania north carolina or Illinois as well. And we also have staff and tax jurisdiction in those locations. So you'll see the pay listed for Portland and Vancouver, uh, but we adjust pay up or down based on jurisdiction and the variance um, for the other locations. So you'll get a a sense of the range. You can do your own comparison math about uh, how much the place you live costs relative to the uh, Portland or Vancouver, if you want to sort of get a sense of it. But that's transparent. um, Four weeks or 160 hours. Um, of PTO per year. We have paid volunteer time, good health insurance, 401k matching, really, really flexible um, working hours. And I think a very human work environment that allows for being a person who has needs and a life outside of work, um, along with actual policies that prohibit your boss from texting you outside of business hours. (laughs) I would know. Oh, no, I mean, we only text each other outside of business hours for like, did you see this thing? Oh, speaking of, yeah. I almost texted to you. I took a picture of it, and I don't, I don't know why I didn't. But um, Target has a book club. Did you know that? Oh, Target has a book maybe? club? Maybe? But, may, yeah, but right? maybe. That was my reaction. <laughs> I guess I was like, it's not surprising Costco has one. <laughs> you had to join the Amazon, <laughs> Target, or Costco book club and like do the reading and like show up to their hashtag oh. live stream every month. Which one are you picking? Target. Target? Really? Why? I mean, I'm, that's closer to my heart i guess i like a target experience i could pick up a nice candle and... but what about sarah gelman at amazon well, she's getting hurt you're getting hurt her feelings that's i you know i'm not in it for the feelings jeff i'm not here to make friends <laughs> yeah i don't know I, I feel like based on what i know of the selections i would probably enjoy reading the amazon mm, picks the most mm-hmm. just from what i've seen over time um, so anyway, there's that. Okay, let's get on to a couple of news stories. I, I slipped one in here. One I haven't seen before. Yeah. Did you get a chance to look just at enough, at all? Like just enough to be like, wow, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So again, is it that interesting? I don't know. I'm the wrong I'm the wrong test cu- subject for if something's interesting or not. I know this about myself. I thought this might be. So this is an Australian cookbook mm-hmm. called the Tuscan Cookbook. <laughs> so this is going to be weird for a second. I'm sorry about this. Um, that's be that's got option to be adapted into a feature film, so it's a real cookbook, right? Mm-hmm. And the two women who wrote it, Stephanie Alexander and Maggie Beers, are Australians who moved to Tuscany to start a cooking school, and so I, I think the way to think about it is the cross under the Tuscan sun with like Julie and yes, Julia. That's kind of right. vibe is that mm-hmm. we're going for. And once you say it like that. Sure. Yeah. Let's go. And it's I'm in. The 
I think the headline about it's like an adaptation movie of a cookbook is kind of head scratchery, but there's a little right. detail in the piece that also Stephanie Alexander kept a journal while they were doing this. And so like the her diary really of that year informed a lot of it. That this feels like I don't I don't know, a joint that I would want to see Diane Keaton in. <laughs> you know? Diane Keaton? Or Wrong. Diane Lane yes. is in Under the Tuscan Sun. Any Diane? Oh yeah, really. no, but I was thinking Diane Keaton. Diane Kruger, <laughs> you know. Sure. Lady Die. Pick a Diane. Yeah, it doesn't work. Um, Pick a Diane. Yeah, that one doesn't work. But I mean, they're they're I think younger than that. I hadn't gotten fully to casting it, but when you do position it as Under the Tuscan Sun meets Julie and Julia, that's a very right. appealing kind of like women go off and have a fun adventure movie. I don't. Are, are, do any actual Tuscans live in Tuscany? It's a great Is it question. all expats? Are there any <laughs> old ruined castles left to renovate, or have they all been sucked it's just up? Like I need to know midlife this crises. At this point. This is my it, it really <laughs> it really is. Tuscany is the convertible to middle aged white women. Yes, you buy your flowing linen pants and your big hat, and you go to Tuscany. Cut off your hair, mm-hmm. you know, get a bob, yep. nice, yep. you know, nice practical bob. <laughs> Um, go out there and uh, cook some stuff. So I will watch this. Yeah. I'm sure the vibes will be immaculate. Yes. Immaculate vibes is probably the way to think about that. <laughs> Speaking of Frances Meyer, um, <laughs> who wrote Under the Tuscan Sun, she has a memoir coming out. Things have not been easy for Frances oh, Meyer. really? <laughs> I was reading a blurb. I think I'm going to be into that, actually. I don't know. Neither here nor there. But uh, I was I like, Frances Meyer? Do you mean Nancy Myers? Let's talk about movies for a minute. But no, you Speaking were... of immaculate vibes, <laughs> Right. right? Has Nancy Myers done a show about cooking? Seems like she should. No, but all the movies always have amazing. The houses in the Nancy Myers movies have you know famously gorgeous kitchens. So it is funny that they go to they they always go to the farmers market on Long Island to their beautiful kitchen and then they make pancakes. (laughs) It's like wait, what are we doing here? (laughs) I was you just bought great artichokes and and you're gonna syrup something? Like let's see some real cooking. Let's get let's go. I know I rewatched Something's Got to Give recently and they are like making she and Jack Nicholson are making pancakes in the middle of the night. Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson. God, that movie. Jack Nicholson is unbelievable. Truly, really wonderful. Oh, it's really good stuff. Okay, marketing insights. Um, I didn't spend too... This is fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, well, why don't you take this? Sure. This is Ingram. You found this. You put in our company Slack. I was like, oh, interesting, yeah. and then kind of let it go after I browsed this, it. Where do you want to go I think with this, this bubbled up in a non... I think it bubbled up in a non-book-related mm. newsletter that I get. But listen, my newsletter habit is well-documented, so I can't be relied upon for where the link first showed up. Uh, but... It, and Ingram followed a bunch of books, like 1,500 titles um, over the course. Uh, sorry, not 1,500, 150,000. They followed 150,000 titles over the course of three years to try to see what they could learn. And this is Ingram is a book distributor, and they also have a publisher mm. arm. So what they could learn about how Amazon sells books, what Amazon does with pricing and the buy box and what does your sales rank mean and how is it determined? And sort of if you know those things, could you backdoor your way into changing yeah. anything or maybe identifying best practices for how to position the books that you publish on Amazon and hope that they will perform well? There's a lot to pull apart um there it's really interesting i thought to see that in terms of sales rank and it's not surprising when they break down the data but it's a really steep curve on print um where you know you've got to sell like about 
a hundred, a couple hundred units a day in print to hit the top 100. But to hit the top 100 in ebook, you've got to be selling thousands of units yeah. per day. Um, uh. Yeah, that your sales rank includes your sales history and your average daily movement, not just like the total number of books that you've sold. It's based on the pattern, like the current pattern as it's developing. That's one of the ways that the algorithm takes things into account. Um, and with eBooks, especially those to rank in the top 100, it's really clustered around best-selling title titles and also price promotions, which we know that like, especially with Kindle Unlimited and Amazon published kinds of titles, they will drop that price to zero or drop it very low. And it makes it very appealing. And they place them all over the place on Amazon and they give it a lot of visibility. And then you get a lot of sales for a book that was free or pretty close to free. But that space is really, really crowded and very competitive. Maybe the biggest headline was that most books on Amazon are not discounted. That's that's exactly where I was going to go. <laughs> yeah, that and it's this should have been I think in a giant pop-out box <laughs> mm -hmm. in this analysis that more than 50% of all books on Amazon are not discounted. About 55% of ebooks are or were over the course of this three-year study that they did. But in general, most books are not discounted. Um, they tracked what we had seen in 2020 of, yes. of discounts dropping, that most print books were discounted, that most print books that were discounted, which is fewer than half of them, were discounted by only 10 or 20%. And then last year in 2021, some of the deeper discounts started returning. But the big headline is most books on Amazon are not discounted. <laughs> and, and and not only that, most of these titles, yes. I guess, they're trying to look for a representative set. Yeah, so. I mean, 150,000 mm -hmm. titles. That's a big, that's a big sample size. Um, there's some other interesting stuff in there about how they were able to identify price bands of like price points that Amazon seems to like to move items to, presumably because consumers like those, that there were a lot of items originally priced at $100. And so that's like professional and textbook kinds of titles that were, you know, in the $100 range originally, but Amazon will drop them to $23.74 for some reason. $23.74 shows up over and over in in this research of like, well, this must be a price point consumers like. Um, that in trade publishing, $19.99 and $24.99 are popular price drops, which does ring that bell of about 10 to 20% discounting off of a, especially a new hardcover. Um, and then for titles that are listed under $20, the most common discounted price was $9.99. So interesting stuff there. I was I saw a whole section about ebook pricing and was like ready for a Jeff O'Neill rant, but I don't think they teed us up for that. No, um, they really did. They left the red meat in the <laughs> fridge. They didn't throw it into the lion's cage they did. there. They didn't. And then they also pull out information about the impact of reviews and ratings on both Amazon yeah. and Goodreads um, and sort of combined those. And the... Guess, did that, anything jump out to you there? You know, I looked at that. And I was like, I couldn't I make thought, any correlation. I think the only nugget there, which has definitely been reflected in like what I've heard of folks trying to promote their pre-orders or promote their books mm. is that it the number of reviews that you have and that your review count is consistently going up seems to be more important than the ratings as long as you don't have a lot of ratings that are under three stars. So mm. I guess from an author perspective, you don't need to freak out if you're not getting five star reviews as long as you're consistently racking up increasing 
reviews. And I know like folks who host some podcasts that I listen to have had books come out recently and a big part of their pre-order campaign has been, please go back and review our previous books on Amazon because uh. that will help our new book rank higher or or be visible to more people and then if you re if you pre-order the new one that helps us and then of course if you review the new one that helps but that it's the volume of reviews and that that volume is consistently moving forward Um, and then you know not a whole lot of you're not going to get rewarded if you have five billion one star reviews (laughs) by the algorithm but you need to be functionally (laughs) weird right but above average three stars Mm. if you're average and around three stars and you're moving up you're probably doing okay that's our show for this week. Rebecca, thank you so much. As always, you can find show notes, bookriot.com slash listen. Uh, you can email us, podcast at bookriot.com. Check out the Book Riot on Patreon if you haven't. Also, you can check out the job description. If you or someone you know is a digital marketing person, come see if this is the kind of place you might want to apply to. You can find out more there. And as always, we will talk to you next week. <laughs>